a good day. Uh, my name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. Uh, welcome to drboycetv.com, the home for intelligent black people. And uh, so that means that if you uh, support your community, if you put your community first, if you believe that black people need to prioritize, uh, please put a hashtag B1 in the chat. Hashtag B with the number one is our calling card. That means that we put ourselves first. That means we also understand that we are our number one priority and also that we will be number one in the world one day when it comes to economic strength and intelligence. And also we must be one in order for us to win. Unity is important. Unify or die. Put a B1 in the chat if you agree with that philosophy. Hello, Kevin Goodwin. My name is Corey, Timothy Hunter, Nicole Thomas, uh, Dr. Ree, Colonial Tech. I want to make sure I just uh, thank all of you for joining us today and welcome you all to the platform. And so uh, today we get to have a Powernomics Thursday. And you all know that the man uh, that, that that is, in my view, in many of your views, uh, the great one of the greatest black leaders of all time, uh, one of the uh, most effective scholars uh, of, of any time is uh, Dr. Claude Anderson, uh, who is the author of the books Powernomics, Black Labor, White Wealth, Dirty Little Secrets, uh, The Black History Reader, et cetera, et cetera. So without further ado, I'd like to ask my friend, Dr. Anderson, how are you doing today, sir? Well, not too well. I'm in the highest level of pissivity. I'm pissed off today. Let me be honest with you. I, could, I don't usually use those words in public, but today I'm, I'm, I'm so pissed off that I, I cannot fail to express my emotions to you when I first come on this morning. So okay. that's, I'm at the highest level of pissivity. I've never heard the word pissivity. So uh, I, what I'm going to do is allow you to tell us uh, why, why are you uh, pissed off today, Dr. Anderson? Well, simply because of some of the things I've read this morning and saw on the news today. And, 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 and I'm pissed off with both with uh, the Biden administration, conservatives in the country, but also with my own people. Because see, I told them for the last, let's see, 20, 30, for the last 30 something years, I told them to get away from the Democratic Party and, if, and the Republican Party and create your own black international independent party and start voting strictly for yourselves. Resign from the Republican Party. Resign from the Democratic Party. Resign from the Libertarian Party. Resign from the Freedom Now Party. And join a black independent national party and vote strictly for your own selves, your own self-interest. Do not run into candidates. Vote in a block nationally. You're 36% of the voting block. I say you can control politics in this country if you start voting as a block. You're, and for anyone, regardless of color, black, white, pink, yellow, polka dot, or a black streak down their back. Doesn't make any difference. Just vote for them based on their, their p- commitment. Those who promise the most and will deliver the most simply straight to black folk. Nothing else matters. I'm tired of told black folk, forget the crap. Now you're back in a hole again. Democrat, Democratic Party ain't gonna do a damn thing for black folk. And then what, the Democratic Party was the people that originally enslaved you back in 1789. They held you in slavery until the 1860s. And now, and, they, and you, for, for 10 years, you went with the Republican Party. You went with the Republican Party up until about, for only about 10 years. That was called Reconstruction. Said we want to go back and do what, and correct what the Democratic Party had did for two years, for 360 years. We're going to correct some of that bull. And so, for, so from 1865 up to 18, uh, about 1875, that was it. Republicans put out and they put, gave this would give black folks a chance. And, then, and within about, about another 30 or 40 years, so by 1865, 1870, the damn Democrats had taken over again. They got you again. And all they're going to do is practice what I call social economic, I mean, social liberalism, non-economic liberalism. You ain't going to get a damn thing from them. And here's in the paper today where Biden came out and says, in the, in the papers, all over the paper now, said, I'm not going to support any, any, any reparations for black folk. And then Harris has said that way before when she was running that she ain't gonna do. I'm not gonna do anything specifically to help black folk get into reparations. And uh, and 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 I say to black folk, what are you thinking about? They said, well, we listen to all these blacks that come on the news every day and in the newspapers during an election and tell us we should go out vote as a block for the Democratic Party and and they they're gonna, they're gonna take good care of us. I said, yeah, they're gonna take care of you. Same way they took care of you during slavery. And what you're gonna rep- you're gonna represent the meek, the weeks, and the freaks. And it's the same thing you represented during slavery and Jim Crow semi-slavery. And they got you again. And now this was the only hope black folks had during the election. And then and they, they didn't vote. They, they voted, gave, they, they gave the Democratic Party about 95% of their vote. 
And now nobody wants to do a damn thing for them. And so we're in deep trouble. And so Democrats came up with an agenda saying, once we get in office, here's what we're going to do for black folk. I said, what the hell is that? Well, we're going to we're going to we're going to we're going to give them some we're going to give them just a big hunk of we give them a great big hunk of, of non-economic socialism. And I said, what is it? Non-economic socialism and liberalism for black folk. And they said, we're going to give them some public housing. We're going to get we're going to get double the income for uh, uh, for for unemployed workers. We're going to give them some uh, um, uh, some more uh, money for education. And uh, and uh, we're going to give them some more money. For welfare, we're gonna give them some more money, and uh, for prison reform, we're gonna give them some more money. I said, no, no, that's for everybody. What are you gonna do for black folk? They said, we ain't gonna do a damn thing for black folk. Mm. So now the, re- the results coming out now again from the from the from the institution saying that that again that right now that basically white folk are still anti-black. I told them when they came when blacks came out of slavery back in 1865. Study study says that at that time, 98%, Dr. Watkins, 98% of all the white people in America were opposed to freeing blacks from slavery and secondly, from giving them any damn thing. That's why they didn't get 40 acres of the mule. They weren't going to get a damn thing. All they do is set free with no thought, no money, no clothes, no education, no tools, no animals, no land, no resources, no, no, and no, no religion, nothing. No guns, no weapons. And said, you go out there and rule hall or die. And I looked up real rule hall or die back in the old days. That meant you're going to be like a hog and then dig for roots in the ground or just perish. And that's mm-hmm. back to that black folk out of either root hall or die. And give, we're going to give them all this stuff. And I got all these blacks associated with, with, with Biden. I said, tell me right now, what is Biden going to do for black folk? Ain't going to do a damn thing. Same thing. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. Telling black folk the same damn thing. These white folk are gonna do a damn thing. The last study I, I saw says yes, back in 1998. I mean, back in 1898, and uh, uh, when blacks came out of slavery, uh, uh, 98% of the people are against blacks. And now in, in, in 2021, guess what? It's going down. The hate against black folk had dropped by 10 points. It went from 98, it's now down, down to 88. I said, I said, it's just 150 years to reduce the hatred against black folk. I said, this rate, hell, black folk, white folk will be still ha- hating black folk for another damn 3,000 years. Mm. Uh, everybody who's watching, with Dr. Claude Anderson. Uh, Dr. Anderson is the author of the books Powernomics, Black Labor, White Wealth. Dirty Little Secrets in the Black History Reader. Uh, Dirty Little Secrets has a one and two portion. Uh, You can take a look at a lot of his work at powernomics.com. And I mentioned to you all that if you are a uh, believer in what Dr. Anderson says, don't just say you support it. Um, Really support it. We got to learn economic maturity, putting our money where our mouth is. Uh, He has a library pack for $99 with all of his books. Uh, It should be required reading for all of our people. We are the public school system now. We are taking over the education of our people. Uh, We are not leaning on other people to educate us. We can do this ourselves. Uh, If you agree, uh, if you understand, type yes in the chat. Give me a yes to let me know that we are on the same page in terms of understanding what uh, this, how important this is for what we're trying to do. Now, Dr. Anderson, I had I had to mute a little bit. I had a little, there's a little background noise, but I'm going to ask you a question. Then I'm going to unmute and I'm going to mute myself. Uh, so, Dr. Anderson, uh, this week, one of the things that was interesting about Joe Biden discussing uh, reparations and, and Black Wall Street is that he talked about Tulsa. He talked about uh, what happened in Tulsa. A lot of people were talking about it because it's, it's the 100 year anniversary. He met with the survivors who are all over 100 years old. And uh, there was a lot of conversation there. Now, my concern is that uh, we're going to get caught up in the symbolism that simply acknowledging what happened in Tulsa will be the same as doing what is necessary. Um, When I see that uh, with what happened with Tulsa, I see that as an example of what happened all across the country in hundreds of different cities. Also, I see I'm concerned that we're going to get so caught in the symbolism that we'll forget about the 15 trillion in reparations that are owed to black people. So I'd like for you, I figured you were the perfect person to help educate us on that. Uh, and so, Dr. Anderson, uh, if you could, could you tell us a little bit about maybe some of the things that we should know about not just Tulsa, but what happened all throughout the country uh, over time in terms of these kinds of uh, uh, destructive uh, events 
and also how we need to view this and, and seize this opportunity to have a more important conversation. Well, I'll be, I'll be glad to do that. And just start off with a basic point. Basic point is that nothing, nothing, nothing has happened significantly for black folk. You know why? Because see, black folk are not in the system. They're outside of the system. They're outside and underneath it. That's why it's not going to happen for them. And because that's one of the things I talked about on page, uh, let's say page, let's say 64. If you take, if you were to open up uh, power numbers, look to page 64, what I talked about on that page, it was that uh, what I called the future would be based on what I call the boundary line. Why? Because you see what you call uh, uh, E.W. B.W. Du Bois had talked about that in the 20th century, the issue would be the color line. I said, that is over. That's starting in the 21st century. What you're in now is going to be the boundary line. Everything will get confused because nobody's abiding by anything anymore. Everybody, where we used to be made, where doing slavery, blacks were the, were the meeks, the weeks, and the freaks. Now everybody wants to give a pretense that they're equal to black folk by saying, we're also part of the meeks, and weeks, and the freaks, and we've been, we've been misused and abused. Now let's go back to, to, to get to your point. So let's go back, you asked about Tulsa. See, first of all, Tulsa was not the original Wall Street. And you've got all these black folks sitting up in colleges and that's the worst people to be asking about anything about right now. They, most of them just go read a book, next they go out and get a book in front of a bunch of students to try, to try to show how erudite they are. And most of them know what they're talking about. That's why I just got to seeing uh, on, on the news, here's a woman who do like most of them do, particularly the college professors. Any book thing I put in my book, they'll go out and cherry pick it, pick it out of there and try to and say, well, we are, I teach for college, so I'm I'm on a, on a, on a, a manifold that says that I must either uh, publish or perish. And I'm going to go pick up Dr. Anderson's books, and I'm going to pick two or three or four lines out of there and write me a book. And so she's got out a book now. To, I'm, uh, I got a book on the Second Amendment. Hell, I've been teaching that now for 30-some damn years, and that's all in my books. And there she's almost word for word talking about uh, well, that, that we have to understand the Second Amendment. Anybody had my books already understand that. The next one got up. Well, you know, uh, Jim Crow, that, 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 uh, 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 segregation, that, that, that's, that's a second type of slavery. That's re-enslavement. Everybody should have known that by now. So let's go back to my point I want to get to. I'm, I'm knowing, I keep deviating. But you talk about Tulsa. Tulsa was not the original first uh, Wall Street in America. And, it, and then it, and it was really, really Tulsa then. It was, it was really Greenwood. Right, that adjoins and abuts, it abuts Wall Street. I mean, uh, 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 Tulsa. The real Wall Street was down in North Carolina. That, that was down in Durham, North Carolina. See, blacks in Durham, North Carolina was more advanced than any blacks in the country. I mean, any blacks that got more than a third grade education say, well, how would, how would Tulsa jump that far ahead and, and become so sophisticated economically way out in the damn wilderness? way out in Oklahoma, some damn place in Kansas and all that. How'd they get so advanced? Because the real Wall Street was in Durham, North Carolina. And that one got wiped out. And uh, they were the ones that had to start all the insurance companies and, and, and they had the banking systems down there. And they had, a, had their own bus lines and cab companies. And North Carolina was very sophisticated. That's where that came from. And so what, what whites have always, always destroyed anything that would put black folk in a position to be competitive with them. That is the nature of walls. That's the nature of, of, of racism. I've told blacks and told blacks all of my life now, since I was 21 years of age, what racism was. They still want to try to define racism by what, how white folks define racism. What did white say? Racism is whether or not you like somebody or you're mean to them. And then that, that's what racism is. That's a lie. Racism is, again, is an economic issue. It's a group-based economic issue where groups are competing to own and control resources, wealth, and power. That's what racism is. That came up in 1859 on the eve of the Civil War. And so, and so a few blacks have been profiting like Durham and that. And uh, they said, we're going to get rid of that. We're going to get rid of Tulsa. And they when I then killed about 600 people in Tulsa and burned the whole damn city down. But see, but it was not only the broad society, but also the little air aviation out there, like almost like the uh, like a, a National Guard. They also did, they dropped the bombs on the houses and burnt down the churches and the buildings and everything. They did that there, but that's not the only place. They also burned down Wilmington, North Carolina, where blacks were doing extremely well up in Wilmington, North Carolina. They burned out Wilmington. And then after they got to burn out Wilmington, then they went over and burned out a couple of places in Nashville where black folk had, had big, broad communities, making, doing extremely well, had their own businesses and their own communities. 
And why you say, why do I say communities? Because you see, whites have never, never, never wanted black folk to have communities. What they wanted to do was be isolated and, and be disorganized so they can come in and whites can come in anytime they want them. It started off originally way back in colonial days. They were called maroon towns, maroon towns. And black folk would get away from white folk, go way out in the woods, way up in the mountains, any place and build their own little communities and maroon towns. And whites would always go out for maroon hunting you know, once or twice a year, they go out there looking for them and try to find where they are in the hills. And as soon as they find them, you know what they would do? They would kill them and burn them out. That was true all through history, whites. And so to make a long story short in that regard, you, this is very important for you to understand, particularly with the Congress, is that up until 19, about 19, let me get the right date for you, until about 1940, up to about 1948, the late 1940s, that out of all the riots in America, of all the burnings and destruction of cities in America, black folk had never, never, never burned down a city or a town, never burned down a white neighborhood, never burned down a white community, have never. Only person been doing that is whites. Whites have been burning down towns now ever since the, since the founding of slavery. And black folk don't know that. They let white, every time there's a dis, disorder in a city, they say, all you black folk like to do is just burn down things at whites' home. Yes, because that's what you've been doing. They learned it from you. And there's never been one damn place in, in this nation where black folk have initiated and conducted a riot or a major disorder and burned down the town. But as I said, I just named a few, Durham, Wilmington, uh, Greenwood, and, uh, and uh, then in Nashville, then they went within after also about 1921s and the early 1920s, they went to New York and burned down a whole big neighborhoods in New York and hung black folk from a telephone post. They killed off about about four or five hundred blacks up there. Then they did the same thing in Chicago. And then after they went that by night between four night by 1923, uh, they went down to Rosewood. Rosewood was down south of Florida, South Florida. They went down there because a white woman again claimed that she had been raped. Uh, or by a black man. And they went down in a white storm down there because they, they knew black folk were disarmed because they always telling black folk, y'all shouldn't have any weapons. And that's what the black codes were about and segregation. Saying the only thing black folk could have was a rifle for hunting. They could not carry pistols and other weapons. And so they went down to Rosewood and they hung about 200 blacks down in the Rosewood and killed them off and ran most of them into the swamps. Then they finally chased them out and killed all those and about a few survived that for Rosewood. But black folk now have been running from white folks and white folks have been raiding, burning down black towns and black communities way beyond Tulsa. Tulsa is just one. So if you're going to start talking about reparations, don't start telling me about reparations for Tulsa. What are you talking about? Some form of symbolism. Well, we're going to go out and we're going to go out and make it symbolic. We're going to have a march. We'll have a demonstration. We have a parade. We have bands playing. And by now it's too late. You know why? Because in Tulsa right now or Greenwood, Probably most of the damn land and buildings now belong to whites. What are you going to do? And then go and put a, put a bunch of money to further enrich them? That's that's going to help black folk. I don't ever see anybody saying this program is strictly and solely for black people to take up for all the wealth and all the pain, all the suffering. But for lack of fact that we gave out over two billion acres of free land to European whites who were coming to this country to freeload. They came here for specifically to get enrichment. And we gave them two billion acres of free land, but we would not give blacks 40 acres and a mule. And so now, and uh, so, but anytime there's a, a, a race riot or dis disturbance, they burn out something, they'll bring in whites. That's why Trump passed what's called an Opportunity Act right now up in, up in New York to what used to be Old Harlem. So now Old Harlem, it used to be all black in New York. That's, that's, been, that's being, being re-gentrified re, uh, with Asians, Arabs, and Hispanics. And whites taking it over. Blacks don't own a damn thing more than about one half or one percent in the entire country. And all they talk about, all they go for is symbolism and ceremonies where somebody always wants them to get out and march and walk. And I'm sick and tired of seeing black folk think that somehow that's being good. That shows that we are kind, kind people, that we are compassionate people, that, that, that we are acquiescing people, that we are that we are friendly to other groups coming into the country. Other groups see black folk as being stupid. That you that you're the only people that won't compete. You won't don't demand a damn thing. Every time you put people in, in power or in a position of authority, you never ask for a damn thing. 
Now, after running two presidential, being in two presidential elections like Carter, where I was a campaign manager, or with, or being the, the campaign advisor up here in, in, in Maryland for Clinton, guess what? See, Clinton said after about two or three years, I, I'm just surprised black folk ain't never demanded anything from me. All they want from me is to hire one or two persons here and there and to come to a come to a NAACP lunch and a dinner and buy a few few uh, theater, I mean, uh, tables, tickets. Blacks don't demand anything. And right now, Biden, is gonna, Biden ain't gonna do a damn thing for them. I told them over and over again, and this, and I'm not making this point anymore because I'm quit, I'm gonna cut that out soon. You had a chance to build a black high-speed rail system right now going from, 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 from almost the border of South Carolina all the way across those four black cities or towns or states called the Cotton Belt going all the way out west. And already right now, Biden has made a commitment to give almost all that infrastructure money to Amtrak, to Amtrak. Amtrak can get all that money. That's the old, old, rich, white family guards going to get all that money. They're going to tell black folks, look, they're going to help you. Y'all, they're going to get some new seating on there so you can sit down in soft seats again. But it's not going to be owned by you. Ain't a damn thing going to be owned by you all. So I'm just, so I'm pissed. That's what I'm pissed about, all these things. Black folk don't understand. And what they think other people see as being friendly and kind and generous and compromising and acquiescing, white other groups, Arabs, Asians, Hispanics, they see that as being stupid, that you're stupid people. We can come into your neighborhood anytime we want and put up a business because nobody's going to give you anything. And most of the programs right now that Biden is going to put money into is going to the Hispanics. Hispanics are nothing but white speaking Spanish. Arabs, are, again, are whites practicing Islam. And got their own religion. Mm. Speaking the language. All right. All right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You make, you make a great point. And uh, everybody, I want you to know we're talking to Dr. Claude Anderson. He's the author of the books Powernomics, Black Labor, White Wealth, The Black History Reader, and Dirty Little Secrets. Uh, his website is powernomics.com. Uh, all of his books are on their website. I encourage you to go there. Also, the blackbusinessschool.com. We have specialists right here on the line that can help you if your goal is to learn how to start a business. You can get started for free. You don't have to come in with anything. Uh, feel free to just talk to somebody on our team and uh, we can help you. Uh, we're educating millions of people all around the world. and We love to help you, too, uh, because we believe in ownership and we believe in black ownership. Uh, this isn't just about making money. It's about you actually having power. And so do me a favor. If you could, <clears throat> we're building this into a media outlet. We really need your help. Uh, we need black owned media. So whatever platform you're on, please subscribe. Some of you are watching on Financial Juneteenth TV. Uh, that is a financial channel that we own. We would love for you to be a part of that. So if you could hit the subscribe button and or hit the thumbs up button right now, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up, and then put a B1 in the chat after you hit the thumbs up button uh, to let us know we're on the same page. So Dr. Anderson, I'm going to ask you a question now about Biden and uh, this conversation about Black, black Wall Street. And I think a lot of people were surprised uh that that it was addressed um and uh remember it, it took 100 years to get to even this point you know he sat down with some of the uh survivors who uh unfortunately they're over 100 years old uh and and uh, i guess he had to address it because it's the 100 year anniversary but you know the thing is that uh you know when biden or anybody in anybody in the administration is having conversations about black history or reparations or black wall street they don't talk to people like you. You know, the, the community, millions of people in the community know that someone like yourself knows this stuff like the back of his hand. You you, you know where the bodies are buried. You know all the, the information that people need to have. So uh, in your words, why do you think that they are hesitant to speak to someone like yourself, even though you're right down the street, right in D.C.? They could easily pick up the phone call. You bring you in for a congressional hearing and hear the whole story. Uh, why do you think they're hesitant to do that? Well, for a simple fact that white folks basically are homicidal and not suicidal. Why would they want to bring me in there? <laughs> they, they know I would give black folks, supply black folk with the history of all the issues and also solutions for how to better improve themselves and the quality of life so they can enrich themselves, enrich their communities and enrich other black folk. They, they don't want to do that. And, that, and see, I, the first thing I would say when I see black, they talk, well, we, what we're going to have, let's have a, a study uh, of whether or not we should have reparations for black folk. Hell, you didn't have studies for all the other people you gave reparations to. That is an insult. Why do black folks sit there and let people insult them and do or not do a damn thing for them? See, they, did, they didn't study all the white folks in the South after the Civil War was over. When they set up the Freedman Bank for black folk, they put money and resources in there, saying the Freedman Bank in the 1860s should have been taking care of black folk. 
but they switched it off and guess what? And gave all the land, all the land that white folk in the South had lost on those plantations. They got all that, all them billions of acres of free land in the South, all through the, and all across the country and out West. They, did, they didn't do a study saying, let's, let's have a seven year study, see whether or not they're entitled to some reparations since they lost the war. No, they gave them back all the darn land. Then turned around and created, and created a law said called the black codes and all that saying, now we'll even give you back to black people. We'll give, we'll reparate you all by not only giving you back all the land that we, that you lost during the civil war, we'll give you back all the blacks that you lost during the civil war. And, and for black women and for white women, white women said, well, you know, we can help y'all keep these blacks in a hole. And in, in, in the late 18, um, uh, 1900s, about 1918 said, because right now black folk are coming back from world war one in Europe, and those blacks will come back and they, they're concerned about getting more opportunities and privileges and rights and economics. And we can help you all if you all give us the right to vote. And so a white man went in and passed, passed uh, Amendment 19 to get a white women a right to vote if they didn't own land. But white women have always had the right to vote, but they had to own land, had to have land in their name. And, and so they gave, that's why they passed Amendment 19. Nobody ever tells you that. We, 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 we women want the right to vote. Hell, you always had the right to vote. And the man that owned everything that you were sleeping with and going to bed with and having babies for and cooking for, he owned every damn thing. You co-owned it, co-controlled it, co-influenced it, and inherited 100% of it. And she, and she got reparations. Nobody did a study after World War II. With, with, and after we had World War II with Europe, with the Germans. And at the end of the war, we gave reparations to, to call it the, the, uh, the Marshall Plan across Europe with billions of dollars. We didn't, nobody did a study Dr. Watkins, and now black folk talking about, well, we got, we, got, we got to approve House Bill 40. We approved that in the House of Representatives. We might not be able to get it through the Senate, so we have to take a little while and slow it down and try to figure out how we can get it through. And uh, this is now House Bill 40. That's an insult and a shame, even me talking about it. Turn up a study of seven, seven members, three representatives from, from the House, three from the Senate, and, and one from the damn White House to study whether or not Blacks should get reparation. That is an insult. You got, I see blacks all over the country, including some of the blacks in Congress saying, we should support House Bill 40 so, so that uh, we can get some reparations. They, but they're going to study it for about seven or eight years. Now, I got six damn college degrees, okay, in social economics. And I work and earn those studies. I've been studying economics and black racial issues for, for, all, for 40 or 50 years. Nobody asked me to do a damn study. So why in the world they got to study reparations for black folk? And then they also in World War II, here comes the Japanese. They bombed Japanese and dropped the damn atomic bombs on two or three cities. And guess what? They, they say, we're going to give reparations to Japanese. Nobody said, so we, but we don't need to give them to a study because we just bombed the hell out of them. And so they gave them, it was called a point four program, gave, gave Japan so like $6 billion to repair Japan. And then nobody did a study. Nobody had to study that. And they gave reparations also to the to, to Cubans after, after they took over Cubans and, 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 and Puerto Rico. Nobody studied that. Everybody's gotten reparations except black people. But every time you start talking about giving black folk some, some, some money, some economics for the pain and suffering and the damage and the economic and educational inflictions you put on them, you always got to have a damn study. That is an insult. I wish a white person would come to me and ask you, what do you think about a damn study? I think go study your mama. Don't come to me, ask me about a study. Don't need no study to know what you've been doing to black folk now for, all, for 465 years. You've inflicted pain and suffering on, and, you know, all, every 24 hours, and you know it. But they said, well, but, that, but see, but we know black folk, hang on, that we can easily put them off by telling them we'll study it. And then, we, then after seven years, we said we were against it. And so we would have saved seven years of paying them some money and all that kind of stuff. No, you tell them that, when you when you destroyed Tulsa, and, and you destroyed Roseland, you discovered dist, destroyed uh, Nashville. You destroyed. Uh, uh, um, uh, you mentioned just so you know, Doctor Ince, I took a uh, note on your list. You made a list. You said Durham, Wilmington, Greenwood, Nashville, New York, Chicago, Rosewood, and those are just the first few that you named, but there's, I'm sure, many others. I, I just want to help you on that list. Go, go ahead, please continue. There, 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 I, I can probably, if, you had, if I had time, I could probably figure out. I'd have to sit somewhere and do a lot of thinking. 
there were over 300 places. They, I'm, not, I'm not including the, the maroon towns they burned out. Maroon town where black folk had built structures. Or used to, now last week, y'all, y'all, everybody was celebrating. Let's celebrate the, the Arlington Cemetery because this is, this, this is going to be the day for uh, this. That's, special, that's a special day to remember those who gave their lives for the country. And we'll call it Memorial Day. That was not a Memorial Day. What they wiped out over there used to be a black called, called Freedom Village. That's what that was over there. It was called Freedom Village, and that was called Flag Day. Things they were doing for, for black folks to bury their soldiers who were killed in the Civil War. The Union soldiers, they had a cemetery over there, belonged to black folk in a t- black town. They wiped out Wall Street. Wall Street used to be a black community up in New York. They wiped that out. And now they put a big, big economic center up there called Wall Street. Every time they wipe black folk out and kill black folk, they said, what we're going to need to do is do a study and, do, and, and give something that will just be symbolic and ceremonious. Now, we wiped out uh, Floyd and, uh, and by, by breaking it, almost breaking his neck and, and suffocating him to death. Now, and we have and a year ago, and now what, what should we do? Well, let's, let's come up with a law that says we shouldn't do that anymore. That's what we should do. <laughs> boys, boys, and you want to know why I'm pissed to the highest level of pissivity. But that's what I can go on and on all day. But I'm not going I'm not going to monopolize your problem, your, your program today. But never in the history of this nation has one politician, not one white nor one black, has ever done anything specifically and solely to address in monetary economic terms the suffering and economic depredation of black folk. Not one. Mm. And, and, and that's, that's why every, every president was a slave owner. Up to, for, to the first 18 were slave owners. And they keep talking, well, we're going to get, we're going to get some economic justice. Quit talking about justice. You can't get any justice in the United States. You got, when you got eight whites sitting on the United States Supreme Court and one other, the ninth white is, is a black man, a white man pretending to be white sitting on the Supreme Court. How are you going to get economic justice when, you, when, when almost 99% of all the federal judges were, 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 were racist? And, and, and here's, the, here's the end of it. And see, you, 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 I always like to tell people what they should do. If you're going to understand all this stuff, whether you're talking about Tulsa or all these other places, you have to understand the whole nature of the Federalist, Federalist Society and the Federalist uh, Papers that were, that, were, that were passed at the same identical time that the Constitution. See all these people now talking about democracy. Well, Anderson, we, we get our democracy at risk. You, know, you never had a damn democracy. This country has never had a democracy. Never had it. They had, they had a, a republic that was pretending to be a democracy. Because, see, that, that's why the Federalist Paper was submitted in 1789 in Philadelphia. And, but in, go back to 1776, you want to get the whole thing. Go back to 1776 when they, when they, when they, when they came together to t- try to develop a constitution. And, if, and, and the Federalist Paper was put in. The Federalist Paper says this, says basically that if you're going to try to build a democracy, it is the majority society's responsibility to take care of if you're going to set up a minority. You can't have a society that says the majority will win and rule and the minority will lose and suffer. They expect people to go for that bull and says, therefore, you got to say that if you're going to have a democracy where the majority will win and rule, then here's what you cannot do. You can take a specific group of people and target them for being the minorities and then and then deny them the opportunity to become the majority by continuously bringing in and feeding the majority to increase them so that that the, that the one group that is a minority will always remain a minority. So when they set up the Constitution back in 1789, blacks were the official minority. And since that time, they've been in, they, they, blacks have remained a minority now for 465 years. You know why? Because this nation's immigration policies, they keep bringing people in and, and bringing them and, 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 and register in Washington, classify them as being whites. If they got any drop of white blood in them, they're classified as whites. And that's why I got silly blacks in, in different colleges saying, you know, one day we black folk are going to take over. You ain't going to take over a damn thing. White folk keep changing the damn terms. So white folk will always be the majority and you will never win. And that's what, the, that, that's what the Federalist Paper says. The Federalist Paper says this, that if you set up a, a democracy where, the, where a minority will always lose and, and always remain a minority, then that minority doesn't have any responsibility. They have no, no responsibility. They have no responsibility or obligation 
to do anything that you decide to do. And listen to what I'm telling you. This is the Federalist Paper now that was approved at the same time the United States Constitution was approved that says if you, in fact, set up a democracy in the United States and you say that the majority will win and rule and the minority will lose and suffer and you say we got these slaves coming in, they're going to be a minority. You cannot keep bringing in whites over them and, and, and whether they are European whites, Asian whites, or, 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 or uh, um, uh, um, Muslim whites or Hispanic whites, 70% of whites, uh, Hispanics were, were whites until 1970. Now they, now they, now they, they are coming in over the black and that's what Biden's going to respond to. It's what uh, Hispanics want. Hispanics now have increased by 5,600% just since 1960. Now blacks only increased by 300 and Hispanics have, have increased by 5,600%. That's almost 7,000% in their population just since, just since 2000. And that's why black folks, now Hispanics are the rulers over blacks. Now blacks, we used to be the two, number two citizen in the country. They are now number three. And now the Arabs and, his, and the Muslims are gonna get together. And in 30, less than 30 years, they're gonna combine their groups. And guess what? They're not gonna make black, push black folk into being fourth class citizens. They're gonna say, you black, you blacks were, were second-class citizens for, for 465 years. Hispanics make you third-class citizens. And now Arabs and Asians are going to get together and make you fourth-class citizens. So anybody with an IQ over 10 should say, well, if we didn't get a damn thing when we were uh, uh, second-class citizens for 465 years, what are we going to get when we become fourth-class citizens? You ain't going to get a damn thing but the same thing you got to answer your first question, you're going to get the same thing you've always gotten because you're outside and beneath the system. Nobody's speaking up for you. You can't fact, you can go right. If you want to count the number of blacks in this country, nationally has national visibility that is sticking up and fighting for, for, for blacks exceptionality and the, and, and the things that they're entitled to. They're entitled to reparations, appreciation, recognition, and reparations. Find me one in the country that's standing up with national visibility saying, Right now, this country is not going any further until they provide recognition, appreciation, and, rec and, and, and reparations to black folk in this country. Find me one. Find me one. And if, you, and if you try to raise your fingers, I bet you'd be lucky to get one finger on your hand. If you get two, you can put all those in a cab. Mm. Well, everybody, uh, if you're listening, uh, if you just got here, I'm speaking with Dr. Claude Anderson. Dr. Anderson is the author of the books, Powernomics. Black Labor, White Wealth, The Black History Reader, and Dirty Little Secrets 1 and 2. His website, where all his books can be found, which are required reading for our community. This is required reading. This is something that all of our children must be aware of. You can go take a look. Go to powernomics.com. All of the content is there. Uh, again, we are the new educational system. Uh, we Maybe you call me the superintendent. Uh, maybe we could be the president and vice president of B1 America, whatever y'all want to call it, however we want to play it. We're taking this over. We're not asking for nobody's permission. So powernomics.com is the website. If you could also, we're building black media. Please hit that thumbs up button so that more people can see the video. It helps the algorithm. Also hit the uh, subscribe button. If you have not done that yet, very, very important. Uh, so Dr. Anderson, uh, two, th two thoughts came to mind when you were speaking. And uh, I'm not going to lay this out as a question. I'm just going to tell you, uh, I'm going to lay out a, a thought and a, a short story. And I'd like to get your thoughts on this as you uh, extrapolate, because you, you're a brilliant man. I don't even need to tell you what to talk about. I know something will come to mind here. Uh, two things. One, you mentioned uh, that when it comes to the reparations conversation, uh, when it comes to Biden and the Black Wall Street discussion, everything, uh, it, the, that push, you mentioned that push is toward, uh, you know, sort of um, uh, we'll, we'll study reparations. We'll study what reparations should look like. We'll study whether or not they should be paid, right? And, and, and we know that that's kind of silly because the studies have been done. Uh, anybody who reads Black Labor, White Wealth, uh, give me a yes or no if you've read any, anything in Dr. Anderson's books. <clears throat> this has been studied. This has been studied by uh, a lot of experts. Dr. Anderson is the, at the forefront, but there's other individuals out there. Give me a yes or no if you, if you know that the study has been done, if, the if you are aware of just how much information there's already out there. So, so, so I feel like obviously they're playing the game, right? We, we know what it is. The, it's the politics delay game, which says that if we delay black folks, if we say we're studying, we're thinking about it, 
then what happens is that in the meantime, you've got several election cycles that will uh, that will take place. <clears throat> you know, primary, you know, got the midterms and the next presidential election. And what I what I've seen, this is the game I think they're going to play part of the game, which is um, <clears throat> so the election comes up 2024. So they're trying to scare everybody into voting for, you know, whatever Democrat they put in front of us by telling us that the Republican candidate is the devil and we're all going to die if he gets elected. That's that's the game. But then when you say, well, you haven't paid reparations yet, you haven't moved forward on that. They're going to say, well, we can't continue the study if you don't elect us. Right. So you, we, we need to be elected for you for us to. I mean, so, so if you don't let us get elected, then there will be no study. I mean, you think the Republicans are going to do a better job. Right. That's the that's the game that I tend to see. And, uh, and I'd love to get your thoughts on that. And then another little thought that I wanted to share with you is this. When I think about black folks in America, you talked about black people being hated, um, you know, just how hated we've been for so many hundreds of years and how we're still hated to this day. Hated so much that the uh, politicians, you know, Kamala Harris even said she was go- not going to do anything specifically for black folks. She said that clearly. She made that statement. She, she actually, in case you all want to know, we're not <clears throat> extrapolating. We're not interpreting her words. She said this. She said, it's not like I'm going to do, uh, I don't know if you guys remember that, but she said, it's not like I'm going to sit here and just do something specifically for black folks. So, uh, you know what it makes me think about, Dr. Anderson? It makes me think about when I was a kid, uh, my biological father was not in my life. Uh, he passed. I didn't know the man very well. Uh, I had a stepfather and I was adopted into another family. And this family, while most of the people in the family were very nice people, uh, there were some people in the family where, in hindsight, I realized that they just knew that I wasn't quite one of them. You know, uh, I had darker skin. They had lighter skin. Uh, you know, my mama was this single mama. You know, a lot of men, you got a lot of weak men out here that think that that a woman who's a single mother isn't even worthy of love, that her and her kids should just be thrown in the trash. I don't agree with that because I was one of those kids. And so here it is. I come in this little nappy-headed boy. You know, don't nobody know me. Uh, and 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 I'm, but, but here's the thing. That, so some of them, not all of them, but some of them were looking at him like he's not one of us. And so uh, so I, I would get treated a little bit different. You know, uh, all the other kids that, you know, would, would get a certain uh, kind of meal for lunch and I would get something different or, or maybe they get invited over to a party. I wouldn't get invited. Now, in my mind, now, mind you, follow me on this analogy, everybody, if you get what I'm saying. Now, this is not a sad story, but it's just a, 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 an example to help you understand the mm-hmm. real black people in this country. So in my mind, I didn't know the difference. I thought I was one of the cousins. I thought I was in the family. I didn't even know that my father was not my real father till I was 10. So I'm six years old and I'm thinking that the reason that they gave everybody else a sandwich and not me is because they forgot to give me a sandwich. <laughs> or I'm thinking that, oh, oh, they, well, hey, y'all, y'all forgot to invite me to the party. Y'all, oh, you, I, I know my invitation's in the mail, right? So, so, so to, to make that example full circle, I feel like that's the, that's where black people are in America. You really have black people who really believe that we are uh, fully integrated as equals in American society. Like they, they, we really believe white folks like us more than they actually do. You know, we really think, you know, so we'll go and we'll go to the same college as the white boy, make the same grades, apply for the same job. And then we'll be surprised that the white boy got the job and we didn't, or that you will do the same work and the white woman will get the promotion and we won't. And we'll, we'll just kind of say, well, this this ain't right. This ain't equality. This ain't the way America is supposed to be. But what we don't understand is that America was designed that way, that mm. they don't see you as the same. You are not a member of the family. You ain't never going to be white. You are not white. And and, and I think that there, when I hear black folks from the Democratic Party say, oh, let's all go be Democrats together. They'll, they'll, they'll give us this and give us that. It's like, no, whether you join the Democrat or the Republican Party, in the minds of most of those people, you are a second-class citizen. You are not one of them. So, Dr. Anderson, I'm not even going to ask a question. I'd love to get your thoughts on, uh, on just everything that I just said. I'm, I'm going to be quiet now. Please. Well, I, I think you're right on target. And in terms of which one is best, the Democrats or the Republicans, see, neither one are worth a quarter for black folk. I told black folk, but they, all, they, they said, well, Dr., we don't know how do we do that? Since we're only 13% of the population, it's easy for you to do it. It's easy. The biggest party in America. You know what party that is? I'm gonna say, and I know how smart you are. And you probably get it. And you're not going to tell me because you're going to embarrass me by asking a stupid question. But, <laughs> but about which party is the biggest party? And most people say, well, uh, it's either the Democrat or the Republicans. No, it's not. It's neither one of those. It's the independent party. 
Right now, we got about 165 million people in the United States that don't vote for either one of the parties. They don't give a damn about either one of them. That's the biggest party. And what I was saying to black folk, yes, you might be 13% of the population, but in my planning as campaign manager for presidents, for governors, for attorney generals, for mayors, for, for state representatives, I run kind campaigns for all of them. And the party I'll go after is the independent party. I can beat any party with it. I can beat any party with it. That's how I appeal to. If black folk were to say, I'm no longer Republican and I'm no longer Democrat, I don't give a damn about either one of them. I'm going to create a black independent party and put all my blacks, I'll put 46 million blacks into one party and, and vote as a solid block. And I'll tell whites all over the country, we're not running any candidates, but we'll be willing to vote for and support whoever promises the most and delivers the most to black people. And I said, and I'm, I'm giving, and I'll give you a solid block. When that gets out there, along with that, that group that's got about 165 million right now who don't belong to any party, I put that together. You know what I got? I got almost 200 million damn people in this country that are open now to be to, to, to vote. And that way, now, so now you vote for the candidate that promises the most and delivers. And that way, I guarantee you that every politician will rush and say, I'm going to go and kiss on those black folk because if I, if I pull that kind of number of millions of people, hell, I'm going to, vote, I'm going to do what those black folk want me to do. And, I, and but see, right now, see, they're not responding to blacks because see, the Hispanics are coming in the country in such large numbers that now whites are responding to them. That's why we're talking about immigration this, immigration that. That's because those people just came in the country and they're illegals. That, that, that started in 1964, civil rights law gave them emphasis. And they started pouring into this country. So between 1970 and 1990, we had over, again, we had the number of blacks, I mean, uh, Hispanics coming to the country went up over 300% just that 20 years in terms of millions. And, that, and so by two year 2000, they totally supplanted blacks. And this was planned. This is not something that just happened. They met out in Kansas City in 1974 in Kansas City and says, let's figure out how we can supplant black folk in this country. We're going to dominate. And black folk have been number two now for 465 years. Let's kick those suckers out. And we can kick them out by not by what black folk are always singing and dancing about. We shall overcome someday. Okay, we sing that damn silly song for almost 200 damn years. And so, and say, okay, fine. And so they, so they said, we're going to overcome by, by overcoming. And so we're going we're gonna to now go and find anybody that got a Hispanic last name and include them in our groups. That, and that was a meeting that I went in the state. They met that out in, out in Kansas City and, then, and, and decided that they're going to supplant black folk in politics by the year 2000. And they hit it right on the head. I put all this stuff in my books, tell black folk. So now they are number two. And they said, and they said, and the black folk will not get anything until after we've gotten everything we wanted. And that way, we don't, when we don't need anything else that we'll get the drippings, what's left over on the plate to black folk. But they never tell you that Hispanics and this Hispanics were the number two or number three group of people on the earth that started slaving black folk. Why would you be responding to hit to, to slaveholders that were number number three? See the first ones again, again, what came out of were Portuguese and then the Italians and then Hispanics. Why why are black folk now f- falling subject to Hispanics who started out enslaving them after the damn uh, Portuguese and Italians way back and you know hundreds of years ago? And said, and now they've supplanted black folk, and now they're over you. And so everything, go look around. That's why Obama's in office. 47 to 48% of all the new hires he gave, and, and when he was in office, he gave them to Hispanics. Hispanics now getting jobs that you fought for 300 or 400 years again and couldn't get. Hispanics don't have to come in and march to get jobs. Hispanics and Arabs don't have to come in and march to get jobs. Nobody has to march to get a job but black folk. We marched for years in Central and took ass whippings just to get a job in the post office or someplace. These people come in and get jobs above black folk. Go look at the media every day. Watch the TV and watch how many, how many Arabs and Asians, Hispanics now, or announcers on TV are hooked into the big programs that black folk never could get into and just began to get a few now. Because you see, that what they're saying is that that Partisanship does not does not matter. That's why when Obama uh, uh, Biden went, won this last election, forty five percent of all the Hispanics in the United States voted against Biden. Forty five percent of them voted against him about four or five months ago. 
but he got almost 100% of the damn black votes. So why, why, are they, why are they paying attention to the Hispanics and ignoring black folk when black folk gave him the, the votes? They gave Obama 98% twice, and he, he paid attention to the Hispanics. And what they're doing is telling you this. Here's a lesson. Wealth and power follows the numbers. If you want to win, then what you do, you start building your own black communities and tell your people, start coming back home, building your own economies in your own communities and vote and spend your money with your own people. Spend 98 to 100% of all your money in with your own black businesses and keep your money in your own communities and quit, quit putting it outside your community. Then you get some power and wealth. Then you start playing the game to win. Say, we're going to build our own communities, build our own businesses, spend our money with our own people, and we're going to vote as a solid block and a black independent, a dependent party. Independent party, we will get, we'll get our votes. And then, that would, then you'll get a lot of respect, the appreciation, recognition, and you'll get your reparations. That's the only way you're going to get reparations, is you got to show power. Now you're showing weakness, meekness, and freakness. Look at all these blacks who want to be homosexuals and, and bisexual and all that, and pansexual, anything. That shows weakness. Quit showing weakness and start showing strength. Instead of saying, I'm black and I'm, and I'm proud of it, and we are exceptional people. And what you said a few minutes ago about, about uh, everything being equal to blacks, nobody in this country should be equal to black folk. Quit looking for equality. Quit looking for justice and look for power and wealth. You get power and wealth, you don't have to look for no damn justice. You can throw it anytime you want them. And, don't, and, don't be, and you don't go to a, and racism is a race. Quit going to a racetrack looking for all the horses to start out together and come in together. If you get in a race, you want to get out ahead and come in first and you forget about everybody behind you. That's what blacks won't do. They keep talking about, we've got to end racism. You can't end racism unless you get some of the wealth and power. You don't own a damn thing. You own one half or 1% of anything of value in the country. Learn to play the game and follow Dr. Watkins every week and every day you can and listen to the information he's giving you and, put, and write it down and keep it notes and buy those damn books so you have some understanding. If you listen to these people on TV, and these people in the Democratic Party that pretend they know what they're talking about, they don't know a damn thing. They they've never achieved anything. Tell them to pull out, pull out their resume, an achievement level, and say, show me what you've done. Show me what you've done, what you've created for black folk in your lifetime. Now, Mr. Anderson ain't got a damn thing to show you. Yet they're sitting on TV pretending somebody, I know how to get, I can help Biden get elected. I can help this person get elected. Forget those people and go for yourself. Respect, appreciate, and love your own people, just like I do and just like you do. And we'll be a happy to people together with our own people first. I, you know what? You, you you made you inspired a lot of thoughts with that with that statement. And so, uh, but, but before I jump into that, I want to tell everybody uh, in case you came in. I just I'm talking to Dr. Claude Anderson. He's the author of the books Powernomics, Black Labor, White Wealth, The Dirty, Dirty Little Secrets One and Two, and The Black History Reader. Uh, his books are uh, on his website powernomics.com. And uh, I hope you, you all will go take a look. Also, we have more educational material for you and your family uh, at the theallblackagenda.com. There's plenty of stuff there, so feel free to go to the theallblackagenda.com. Now, one of the things I want to uh, ask you all, uh, not after you hit the thumbs up, subscribe button, and all that stuff, whatever platform you're on, hit the thumbs up button right now. Um, I want to ask your permission. Uh, I want to ask your permi- permission. Uh, can Dr. Anderson and I, will you elect us right now as the superintendents, just for five minutes, we need five minutes of, of power, just five minutes of power. And then we're going to give it right back in five minutes. I would like to ask your permission. Can we be uh, the, the the president and vice president of black America or of the B1 community for five minutes? So I'm going to do an election, put a yes in the chat. If it's okay, just for five minutes, we don't need the power for good. I want you to lead yourself. But for five minutes, can you, when you elect Dr. Anderson and I, he's the president, I'd be the vice president to be the, uh, the, the the leadership. We want to be the Biden and the Kamala, but except I'm not a Kamala, uh, of the of the B1 community. Give me a yes in the chat. Okay, good. All right, so I got my votes. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Remy. All right, so here's what I want to do with this, with this newfound power, Dr. Anderson. We got five minutes of power. I'm going to lay out something I believe uh, as an agenda, as a policy item, that is, if it's implemented in every black family in America, this will allow us to regain our power uh, to make black people great again, uh, to, uh, to to use that, that other term that people have used, uh, and to also allow us to move forward as a community, no matter what anybody does to us. Uh, it, it comes down to what we call the Black Core of Three, which is we believe that black folks should educate our own children, create our own jobs, 
and support our own businesses. Uh, and, and, and to your point, and the reason I say that, uh, you know, because if you're educating your own kids, you teach them their values. Uh, a lot of the educational system isn't just about teaching math and reading and writing. It tells you what's important. You know, like I noticed, for example, has anybody else noticed how we got millions of kids in our own community who can't read and write when they graduate, but they know everything about pronouns and and LGBT and all this other stuff. They, they know everything about the Rainbow Coalition, but they don't know nothing. They don't know the basic things they need in order to be adequate members of the black community in terms of making a contribution. That's a problem. Right. So I believe we should educate our own children. That doesn't mean your kids don't go to school. It means that when your kids come home, you're taking over that process. You let them know daddy's got this. Mama's got this. You're the teacher. That's her opinion. But let me give you mama's opinion. Let me give you daddy's opinion. You got to do that. And if you don't have an opinion to share or something you're comfortable with, you got people like myself and Dr. Anderson. We're two of the smartest professors in the world. We're right here. We're available for you. We talk to you guys every day. Uh, Second piece is uh, creating our own jobs. Uh, the, the number one stressor for most black people in terms of racism isn't just things like police shootings. Most of you will never be a shot by a cop. However, most of you have worked for a white person. The number one stressor for most black people I have found is working for people who hate your guts, working for people who disrespect you, working for people who take you away from your family so they can beat you half to death every single day, beat you up spiritually. And the next thing you know, you, you're feeling deflated, you're feeling sad. So that's why we must create our own jobs. And in order to create our own jobs, we got to support the businesses that are creating jobs. So the question I ask any Negro on TV, any famous black person, any celebrity who says they're pro-black, any politician who says they're for the black community, I ask them a basic question. I say, what have you created for black people that is specifically uniquely for black folks? What have you created? Have you what? Where, where have you helped to, uh, to support a school that's specifically for black folks? Have you built a business? that employs black people, where black people are paying their bills because they're working for you. What have you created? What? Show me. Give me a try. You, ask me that question. The Black Business School, we have 140,000 students. We have trained over 1 million black people how to buy their first share of stock. So they, over a million black people now own stock because we talk to them So they and their, their economic situation is better because they've interacted with us. Uh, also, we have employed Dozens of black people over the last several years. I don't talk about it much, but we have employed a lot of black folks, helped a lot of black folks pay their bills. So, again, I'm not putting myself on any sort of pedestal. What I'm doing is helping lay a blueprint, a blueprint for you and your children so that you can understand the difference between real progress and a bunch of yapping. A lot of people, Dr. Anderson can attest to this. There's a lot of folks that yap, I'm pro black. All black lives matter. Black, 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 black. But what are you doing? What are you building? What have you done to help solve the problem? other than yap about it. So I'm, I don't want to be a yapper. I want to be a builder. So uh, everybody type the word builder in the chat if you get what I'm saying. So Dr. Anderson, uh, we, you, uh, you, you've got, you've got some, some time as well for your power. I've expressed uh, what my mandate is going to be. Uh, uh, educate your own children, create your own jobs, support black businesses. What say you, Dr. Anderson? What, what would you do with your, your newfound power? We got five, we'll, we, we'll take another five minutes for you uh, to share your vision in terms of what folks uh, should do to make our community stronger in the next generation. What do you think, Dr. Anderson? Well, I think, the, I think you're right on the mark. And well, the first thing I tell them to do is start buying those books and reading them, understand them. That's the first point. The second point is to understand that, that right now, that in this country, that blacks are being undereducated because of the integration process. And that what they, what, so what I would say is that we have to reverse that process and start bringing, building our own black communities and building magnet schools, magnet schools inside of every black community. I would want at least two to three magnet schools in every black community. That's all I want. And in those magnet schools, Dr. Dr. Watkins, is that I would put the best teachers, the best materials, the best uh, uh, educational devices in those schools. And that's what that that would attract the best best black kids first and foremost. And I'll make make sure the education is is so intense and so well thought out and conducted that white kids will be begging not to go to to white schools, they be begging to try to come over to black schools and get in. I want them to be begging to get into black schools, okay? And so, and I want those black kids to be, be right on top. <clears throat> That's those are the three major points. Do that and create magnet schools in every black in every black uh, community. Once you build those communities, and quit quit busing your kids. Stop busing your kids out of your neighborhoods into white schools so they can learn white values. And white values right now are detrimental to black folk. They're, they, they, we got, we're in a culture war now, 
and culture war being based on values. White values are not the same as black values. And I also started teaching black values. Our values are based on not black folk being meek, weak, and freaks, but being very strong people. Because you see, black folk are not using what they should be using. White folks are right, and we're doing we're intellectually norming pretty soon. But they're gonna start trying to figure out how to, how, again, go back to what was going on at the turn of the century, 19th century, trying to show that black folk are cognitively lower in, in education, in, in, in execution of learning skills than whites are. And they're gonna try to figure out how can we put these all these blacks in a, in a school that's, that, that's marginally and put the best white kids in their own schools. We're gonna reverse that. Because here's what, and here's why, how white folks marginalize and normalize black folk by saying there's only three forms of, in, of education. There's what they call auditory, visual, and, uh, and tactical. And see, so what I want black folk to understand is that there are more than three, three forms of intelligence. And uh, that's what whites keep using on black kids. That's why these black kids come up short on these examinations. But we got something like about 96 to 98 different forms of intelligence, Dr. Watkins. That's what nobody ever talks to you about. And see, black folk have a black, if you start plotting cognitive, cognitive, <clears throat> excuse me, cog, let me try to show it, say it another way, try to uh, plot cognitive style, learning styles of black kids, you'll find out that black kids have about 97 different forms of intelligence that white kids don't excel in, that only black kids excel in. You'll find that black kids right now have a genetic uh, capability that far exceeds white folk in physical abilities and also in musical abilities. These things are form various forms of intelligence. If I was running a school, I'll make sure to be plotting cognitive styles in those schools to teach those black kids so that black kid might not be able to read and write at, 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 at five or six years of age, but he will learn how to, you can, you can get through to him by plotting his cognitive styles of learning. You know, and we'll find kids like Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder might not be able to read that well from in Detroit, Michigan. But he, but he can play about, about six or seven different instruments. He can write music. We find our kids right now that can't, can't read and write, but they can shoot a basket 150 feet and hit the basket almost every time. That's, so those are genetic. They are, those are forms of intelligence. We got all kinds of forms of intelligence that are not being used to determine the IQ potentials of black children. I, got to, I can go find kids right now, or uh, even in the jungles of Africa, that can't read and write, can don't know one language, but they can sit there and take a take a knife and carve some beautiful statues. They can carve statues and paint without in, without an IQ, being being based on auditory, auditory linguistic, or visual, and uh, they do it by the genetic inheritance that they have. They're, all those things to answer your question would be put into magnet schools, and and I want three or four magnet schools in every black community. But I first want to have a community. I want that community to be based around economics. And I want to be based on their on economic power. And I want the police department. I don't want, and I want all the police people to come out of the black community, just like they in Chinatown. When all the police came out of Chinatown, but China, Chinese they don't bring anymore. We don't want any non-Chinese policemen in Chinatown. I want black folk to, to get their own. To take the gangs in, the, in black neighborhoods, take the gangs and help them get into businesses. Put gangs in the businesses in the black neighborhoods, but where you start businesses for them where they, they use those skills they have. Like when I, when I was a president, I was a principal of a socially, what they call maladjusted boards at that time. I had 900 of the worst thugs in the city of Detroit, Michigan. But more school for boys. I was a principal operating with them. They had the most delinquent, bad boys that you, that you can get your hands on. And when I got through with them after two years, I had the best kids in the whole damn town. And what you do, you teach them, teach them skills. Some of those boys could not read at about a third grade, fourth grade level. But guess what? In the evenings they left school, they can go out and pimp and hustle them. And guess what? They had, they had shoes wearing five or $600 shoes when I was wearing Tom McAnns and, 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 uh, and Seals and Roebuck shoes. And, and, and so consequently, they, they could count money faster than I could. Some of them had three or four women working the street corners for them. They were, they were pimps. They were pimps and hustlers. And they could hustle and pimp better than I could. So what I'm saying is there are a lot of intelligence and in, in our in our pattern in our learning pattern learning styles that are not being exploited, and so in those schools that you're asking about, I would stop the busing, build black communities, and put an economic base in there, and tell Biden we don't want nothing social and symbolic. You take that home to your mama, and take turn around right now and put all these things in there for black kids and economics. All black people need is economic economics and wealth. That's what we need. 
We don't, we don't need no more social symbolic stuff. And any black that shows up with all this street intelligence talking about, well, what we want to do, we're going to march more and we're going to do this. Tell them, I don't want any more of that crap. Just come in here and give us the money and, and put them into and economic development banks in every major black city. Put economic development banks in every black city based on the money that you owe us. And, that, and, and we don't tell us about loans. We don't want no damn loans. Don't tell every black, don't borrow no damn money for no white banks. Tell you, tell the government to give you the money, give you the money. They owe it to you. You don't want to borrow no money anymore because you got to have collateral. And then once you get collateral, they got you locked and boxed. Okay. All right. All right. I'll ask you a question. Okay. Yes, you did. You answered it beyond you. you we, we now overstand uh, exactly what we need to do. And so everybody, I want to say thank you for giving us that, that five minutes of power. Uh, it's a little more than five minutes, but uh, we've now hand that power back to the people, back to you. This is your power uh, in your house. You are the president of the United States in your house. Uh, you are the king of England. You are whatever you want to be uh, in your household. And I encourage you to use that power to shape the future. Uh, what Dr. Anderson said about it being a culture war is extremely important to understand. A lot of what they want to give you is they want to give you culture. They don't want to give you the economics and you don't really want their culture. A lot of their culture is trash. We know this. So, uh, so no, I don't want the symbolic culture stuff. I, I want the money. Give me the money and I'll shape the culture. You understand? In our household, my wife and I shape the culture. Ain't nobody coming in here shaping the culture in our house, right? So don't let that happen to your children. You got to understand how these games are played. Chess, not checkers. All right, so everybody hit the thumbs up button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button. Uh, also, uh, just a reminder, Dr. Anderson's uh, website is powernomics.com. That's powernomics.com. And uh, also, uh, uh, I just got word that Vicki Dillard uh, is actually going to come live on the channel right after we're done at yourblackworldtv.com. So if you're not watching on yourblackworldtv.com and you want to see the Vicky show uh, and you're watching this live today on Ju- on June 9th or June 3rd, I'm sorry, June 3rd, uh, go to yourblackworldtv.com and Vicky's going to light it up right after we're finished. Uh, and so uh, the, the, the last point I'll just say is I, I'd like for everybody, to, first of all, I'd like to say thank you. We've gone over our time. Uh, please, everybody, give Dr. Anderson a digital th- thank you, a digital round of applause. Please let him know how much you appreciate him. Uh, we need to create our own superheroes. We need to create our own national holidays. We need to create our own institutions. Dr. Anderson is a walking institution. And I want to personally say thank you so much because I know that you've given me quite a bit. And uh, and uh, and I'll never, ever forget that. So thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you all. Thank you all for having me in today. And I hope to be back next week, too. All right. So everybody, uh, please have a wonderful day and uh, hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. And uh, and also, uh, in case you uh, wanted to know in the Black Business School, what we have going on uh, this week, uh, we're doing uh, a program. There's a young girl named Gabby Goodwin, who is uh, a teen, a young teenager who's making six figures with her own business. She started her own business. She's partnered with the Black Business School to do a one day conversation lecture seminar for all the kids and parents that want to figure out how to build businesses with their children. Building a business with your child is a great way to introduce them to entrepreneurship. That's what Alicia and I are doing with our ten, with all of our children, actually. We talk to them about it all the time. So if you'd like to join, uh, just go to kittyboss.com. It's going to be on June 9th. So uh, feel free to go to that URL if you'd like to join us for that day. All right. So, everybody, have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. And thanks a lot, Dr. Anson. Good to see you, Thank buddy. you. Thank you, buddy. Right. See you next week. Yes, sir. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now.